Hello and welcome to our latest episode of the Talking Heads podcast with me, Saul Walker. And me, Lucy Chamberlain. We can collectively heave a huge sigh of relief. Spring is here! Gardens up and down the UK are revealing glimpses of the season to come and this gentle crescendo of colour will only get better as the weeks and months pass by. Snowdrops, aconites, cyclamen and hellebores will gradually give way to irises, crocuses, daffodils and fritillaries. These displays, whilst diminutive in stature, are brazen in colour. And let's not forget the more sizeable camellias, azaleas and rhododendrons, along with forsythias, shenomalies, wisteria, cherries, lilacs and a plethora of other less mainstream plants. As spring unfurls, we're in for a guaranteed sensory bombardment. With discussions about all these plants and many more on the cards, join us now as we transport you into the busy and exciting world of the modern head gardener. Hello, Saul. I would say it's lovely to see you, but I'm actually squinting <laughs> on my sofa tonight because you are. yeah. And this is just goes to show how you and I have completely different weather experiences. The evening sun in Essex is just beautiful. It's right in my eyes, yeah. so I can see you, but I'm a bit squinty. But you've been telling me because we always have our little chat before we press record that it's actually raining in Devon, and it's been raining all day. We've had lovely sunshine all day. It's been pouring. I tell you, you look very angelic. The, the, your face is like <laughs> bright white in the sun. And there's me sitting in the gloom and doom of the Devon, well, c- uh, countryside. And I've got my light on. Oh, you know, gosh. I've got my angelic light on to, to keep myself looking good. So, yeah, very strange. Actually, the last two days have been just the same. We've, we've started off quite nicely in the morning. So I feel like, oh, yeah, we're going to get on with work. And then by about lunchish, just before lunch, the heavens open and it sort of ruins our... <laughs> ruins our work but yeah very doom doom and gloom you know i'm not going to say uh i'm not going to curse the weather because we have been pretty dry for the past well month and a half so any rain at the moment will save me the heartache when june and summer starts you know that's uh any rain that's in the ground now is is a good thing well we have had a little bit we had um up until i guess it was last week we had about 12 mil which for us in Essex was nice, a nice top up. Yeah. Um, it was over a few days. And uh, yeah, it was very gratefully received because up until that point, we'd had very little rain at all through April. April was rain was non-existent. Uh, we're going through a hot spell again now. It's going to be, uh, it was in the 20s today. It's going to be again in the 20s tomorrow. See, that's a big difference because I heard this oh. on the radio this morning that there was 27 degrees at Heathrow. And I thought, mm. what's going on on the east side of the country? Because we have been a bit lower about 15 you know 14 15 we haven't had uh, there's meant to be this heat wave and it hasn't hit us in devon definitely not get yourself here i know it's lovely it's glorious (laughs) it's been glorious um you know i'm i can say i'm not going to make any comments about wanting rain i think for the moment i'm very grateful for the sun and this lovely evening sun that we've got but yeah isn't it strange you know we we are experiencing the classic stereotypical county differences as essex is bone dry and devon is uh, rather wet so we are at least a bit conforming to type. I was going to so say, yeah, that's, at least we're atypical something. at the moment. Not atypical, we're typical No, we're at typical. The yeah. We are typical, so yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've had, do you know what, I've got some lovely things to talk about tonight. I know you have too. I think I've had a really interesting week mm. at the hall. Obviously, we had beauty the week before. Thank you so much for covering me for that uh, that week when I was on holiday with the family. Lovely. Couldn't resist staying in the beauty area and the new forest area for another few days. It's absolutely glorious down there, so... Anyone living in that neck of the woods, I'm very, very jealous of your lifestyle. But yeah, I, I don't know if you listened to Saul's 
uh, five days as being a head gardener episode. I listened to it last night, and oh my goodness, it was a there was ups, there was downs, a roller was, coaster of emotion. Oh my goodness, wasn't there? I I felt so for you with the puncture, and then yeah. when you started saying it was raining when that talk was coming, I was like, oh no, you poor love. But then the sun came, so yeah, everything absolutely. was fine. Yeah, wonderful stuff. So so yeah, so. We, we've got to do a few shout outs. Is it b- worth us starting with those? Yeah, definitely. We'll start mm. with our Buy Me A Coffee. Everyone, we're really grateful for anyone who uh, supports us and donates towards this podcast. But we've got two new people in the last few days. Uh, a Jenny E. So I'm sure there's many Jenny E's out there. But this <laughs> Jenny E, thank you very much. And also yeah. Sean Long. Now, I think Sean, well, I know Sean's from Ireland. And I think it's the Sean that I was talking to a few years ago. You'll have to confirm this, Sean. Get in touch with me on Twitter. But if you're the same Sean that I was talking to about moving some plants or taking, propagating some shrubs, well, thank you very much. And thank you so much for your lovely message that went along. I think she used the word true professionals. <laughs> I'm not sure where Sean. that came from. Come on. <laughs> anyway, th- oh, but no, th- thank thanks. you. Yeah, thanks very much. So, yes, um, we're going to hopefully have uh, another prize draw maybe next week or the week after. We're going to see how it goes. So listen out for that. Yeah, yeah. And we're also, uh, I actually did show Saul my uh, my Chelsea outfit because um, it's less than the week now for us to yep. Chelsea. When this comes out, there'll be just a few days to go. And I like to look you know, suitably attired. So I've I've put some some thought into my wardrobe for the day, and uh, Saul has obviously done exactly the same. <laughs> oh, <no. as> well. <laughs> Anyone well. who knows me knows that I do, cannot do smart dress. So we'll see. I'll find you, a shirt. You scrubbed up all right at beauty. You were fine. <laughs> Thank you. So yeah, yeah. So so yeah, we've got Chelsea coming up for. So Saul and I are so lucky in that we both get to go to the press day, which is the Monday, which is when all the press go. But obviously, all the all the celebs like to tag along as well and have a little bit of a look at the gardens and things and it's it's a lot less busy as a visitor mm. experience for us um it's joyful it is so lovely to catch up with your friends your colleagues yeah. do a little bit of celebrity spotting because we all we all love a little bit of that don't we uh, and obviously <laughs> see the sh- the show gardens are just always jaw-dropping so i can't wait for that we've got some exciting social link-ups as well going on um i know i'm going to be meeting up with members of the garden media guild in the morning and then in the afternoon so i'll let you explain what's happening in the afternoon yeah so i'm a member of uh, one of the rhs plant committees uh, the tender ornamental committee specifically and there are two things that I, I i have at chelsea the first one is is we go in we have a meeting and we also judge plant of the year plant of the year is one of those big uh, moments for Chelsea where they announced the, uh, the 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 plant of the year out of a, a selection of about twenty of new cultivars that have been bought on the market, mm. either by nurseries or companies, etc. So that, that's quite exciting. Uh, casting my vote on that, and then we have the big committee tea, which is a, a, a sort of a a bit of a networking event for the committees. We all get together, cups of tea, cake, meet each other, and I get to bring in a guest. So I bet you can guess who is going to come in with me. Yes. <laughs> Lucy is going to come and enjoy one of the cream teas oh. at Chelsea. So I'm we should so enjoy lucky. that. Yeah. I'm, honestly, I've never done anything along those lines before. I'm very flattered that you've asked me and excited. And uh, I'll probably be a little bit giddy, you know, with a little bit. I, I love that kind of stuff. It's such a, it's such a surreal experience. Anyhow, Chelsea, that's the whole point of Chelsea. I do find it 
going on the press day it's just bizarre but and and otherworldly and we often say that about gardeners world live when we're there as well it's just mm. such a a treat of an experience to to feel that we can be part of it so um yeah and that i think that's going to live up to those expectations this com- committee tea i'm i'm going to save my appetite not have too much of a lunch and crack on with some delicious cakes i hope and of course this is the first chelsea i know uh, i went to uh, the september chelsea uh, which was delayed because of the pandemic this is the first uh, may chelsea proper chelsea for a good three years so i think there'll be a bit of a buzz uh see lots of people mm. that i didn't see in september i think people are coming back to the fold now a bit braver to go out so yeah we're going to bring you uh, a special episode based on chelsea next week uh, fortunately chelsea's very strict on their media rules as we know the bbc are there and all that so we can't actually bring you a podcast from the show but we're going to uh, record one with our uh, reflecting, with a reflective review of Chelsea. And that will be not this Saturday, but the next Saturday. And also, bear in mind, I was reading all the regulations today and we can take stills, we can take photos. They're being strict on videos, but we are both on Twitter. um, So, yeah, Yeah, you know, check out our Twitter accounts. Mm. We'll be snapping... um, Hopefully some gardens. We might get a bit carried away and do a bit of celebrity zapping as well. Do you know, <laughs> you're going to have to tell me who these celebrities are. <laughs> when I was the show manager, which, what, seven years, eight years ago, um, I really blank- I had no idea who these people were. I'm not very good with celebrities. I'm not very good with faces and names, really, because plants, it's all plants in there. That's all it is. So, I, you know, stuff. some I would walk past these people and then uh, some one of my friends or someone would say, God, did you see so-and-so <laughs> and I'd be like who where who are these people I don't know well I can and, I can be feeding that into your ear yeah. all day on Monday if you like please, please do especially uh, anyone film or tv related I'm not very good <laughs> at that kind of stuff very good if it's Roy Lancaster I know Roy Lancaster <laughs> from anyone but uh, if it's f- uh, any other celebrity field or sphere I'm really bad <laughs> well I'll try my best to, to um, keep you topped up with celebrity gossip and knowledge so as best I can um (laughs) I I, I want to talk about a few things that have happened as I say at the hall because I've I've had to have a little bit of a a Miss Marple head on this week Agatha Agatha Christie yeah it's been all very exciting um but I do know I love a challenge I think that's uh we're quite tenacious people we love to dig and delve and research and find out the answers to things if we don't quite know and there's been a few things this week for me that I've I've had to do that with, and I love it. I've I've learned new stuff. Um, oh, it's it's been great. So that um, sounds brilliant. No, I'm going to say that just sounds brilliant because mm. part of our job is learning new stuff. Mm. I think people think we know it all, and I know that I get a lot of people saying how intelligent we are. You know how great we know all this stuff, but actually, this is the stuff I love—the stuff we don't know—and we get the chance to find out or teach ourselves. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, um, there's a couple of things that I need to thank entomologist. Andy Salisbury, who, when I was working at Wisley 20 odd years ago, um, uh, he was training up um, underneath the amazing Andrew Halstead, who uh, was the principal entomologist at the time. And Andy's now taken his his place. So I've been asking him a couple of things that were taxing me and just to confirm or kind of give me the details because I've been wanting to talk about them. Uh, one thing is specifically, and I was like, I can't quite get my head around this. I just don't want to say the wrong thing. So thank you so much to Andy if you if you are listening. But if you're not, Still thanks so much indeed. Um, box moth, you know, we've we've been talking oh, yes. about this and there's been a product that I've been inquisitive about and wanting to learn more about. And I found out some really interesting stuff about it this year. Um, I, I, 
I don't know what to give the brand name away because I've got to say something a bit negative about it. But those who do know about it probably will understand what I'm talking about. There's a bactericidal product that can be used on box or so. I thought it can't. Um, it can't in the UK. It's not got a license to be used in the UK uh, right. for professionals or for amateurs. So, yeah. Sorry, that that's available on the market? Yeah, it's available via... Um, an online marketing site. And so it's very grey area. Yeah, so uh, I was hoping I could bring up people up to speed on that and and try it out, but I can't. I'm sorry, my hands are tied. It's illegal, so I can't do anything about that. So I'm back to jets of water (laughs) on my box moth and hand-picking and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, but, you you know, you live and and learn with these things. I'm just going to say about box moth because... Mm. um, I think it's been very much uh, an issue within the professional sphere. I know a lot of people, but there's a lot of people who still don't understand it uh, in amateurs. Uh, mm. I, Southeast, I know you've got a lot more and I think people know it. But my housekeeper uh, at Stonelands came to me and said, have you heard about box moth? And that's the first time I, someone who's right. just no gardening has talked to me about it. And she said, right. it was on this morning, Philip Schofield and I don't, I don't know. Again, my celebrity knowledge is really poor, but whoever else does it with Philip Schofield was talking about Holly, it. Holly Willoughby. Hello, thank you. There we go. That's why you're here. Um, they were talking about box moth. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> what? Celebrities. <laughs> celebrities names. That's your, that's your, no. Um, that's my thing. Anyway, they were talking about it and she was like, oh God, it's going to kill all the box. It's, and I had to, I had to put, uh, to, you know, uh, arrest her fears. I said it's not in the southwest yet, but uh, it's getting out there. I think the knowledge of it is starting to get a bit wider. So, yeah, interesting. I, I think really, it's quite interesting. At Bewley, we were talking about it a lot because there's those amazing topiary figures uh, yeah. in the flower garden, and we were talking about box a lot and telling people that it might be wise to sort of steer clear of box for a bit and go down some other routes. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that goes on. I think what will happen, I hope what will happen, because we need to find a solution. I mm, think it's, definitely. I do think it's just a case of it's not licensed in the UK at the moment. It's obviously right. licensed for use in other countries. And it's based on what we call in the trade BT, which are Baxillus, and I think it's Thuringiensis, I think from memory, okay. I might be wrong. Um, but it's basically a bacteria that can um, infect uh, caterpillars and pests like this. And it used to be an amateur product uh, eons ago. It used to be that you could actually buy it yourself and it was all licensed. It was okay. So I, I, my feeling is that ultimately this legislation will be overcome mm. and it will be freely available because it, it seems to, according to people I've spoken to, it does seem to be effective. Yeah, fingers crossed. And I, and I think other things will come on the market because if box moth becomes a big problem, generally when things get a big problem, then there are a lot of yeah. resources are put into trying to figure out a solution. And it becomes economically viable yeah. to put money into the licensing exactly. fees that are required. So it, I think it will all sort itself out. It's just mm. at the minute it's a bit chicken and egg, you yeah. know, and we just need the egg to overtake the chicken or vice versa, whichever way it is you think about it. So, so, and then I've got another um, issue that I put out on Twitter and it was in our U hedge. We've got this wonderful sweeping U hedge uh, at the hall. It is very dominant in the main driveway area of the hall. So it's desperately checking out my Twitter account as we speak. And um, it was getting these big yellow patches in it. Oh, and God. Yes. Yeah, it looks quite dramatic, doesn't it? That looks a bit like my Lelandii, where you get that Lelandii, um, what is it? Um, it's like a uh, capsid bug, well, like isn't the, it? Like the aphid type. Thing. Yeah, the aphid like thing. Aphid. 
So, and mm. it makes these patches. But that's you, isn't it? Is that you? That's you. Yeah. yeah. And so what I did, we've been t- I've been talking to the owner about it and saying, do you know what? There was a few fragments where I thought I can nibble those out with my secateurs because what we've always done in the past has been presumed, and this was decided by the owners eons ago, that it was um, a, a pest that needed spraying. So this chap would come in, he'd spray the U, and, um, and that would sort something out. And it's not ever been resolved properly. And I was like, okay, I'll go and prune some bits out and make it less unsightly because it is quite a dominant feature in the front yeah. of the house and it looked quite unsightly so there I am with my secateurs and as I'm pruning things out I start peeling away the uh the outer layers of the u-hedge to get into the the stems behind to do some cutting and I'm like oh there's a little bit of bark falling off there and then I looked again oh. and on another piece and another piece and then I was like hang on something is gnawing the bark of the u and I was like now could this be squirrels could this be rodents or could this be a some kind of beetle there's various kind of like you know like the longhorn beetles that tunnel into timbers i thought is this something that's actually just scraping away at the outer layers of the bark of the yew yes so again very kindly i did ask andrew salisbury at uh, wisley to confirm for me what he thought it was because i had an inkling and he he said yeah it's 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 i didn't know what kind of rodent i thought it's got to be a rodent and he said it's voles it's voles have actually been doing this so that, that mystery has been solved. So now we don't need to employ someone to spray the U-hedge every year, which is fantastic from what I can see, because that was just uh, a, complete, a completely pointless exercise. And we're going to get someone in, obviously, to control the pest. But it means that we're, we're targeting the problem and it can be once and for all resolved. So I love it when things like that happen. When you, like I say, we're learning new stuff, we're solving a problem, we're liaising with our colleagues and all that kind of stuff. It's just, I, that's brilliant. Isn't that a wonderful part of our job? It is really useful because if you showed me that picture of the U, hmm. now my first thought would be weed killer damage, if it, especially if, I, if there wasn't any damage at the top. Yeah. Because it does have that effect, doesn't it? So it's actually quite hard to see hmm. from just a cursory glance and think, what what is that problem? But that's really interesting. Do you know, we had the same problem on a wisteria and I'm, I didn't get it um, looked at, but I'm pretty sure that we got a wisteria ring-barked right at the base by right. a vole, uh, mm. doing exactly the same thing, and therefore it killed it off and, and the whole wisteria died. But um, that's really interesting. So what you have you come up with a solution or are you going to... Well, as I say, I've pruned out the bits that I could do. There were some small yeah. fragments of it that if I prune them out and then jiggle the hedge around a little bit to kind of let the branches settle back down again, the hole disappears. But you can see from that picture, there's some sizable parts. There's some yeah, bits that are at least parts. 60 mm. centimetres wide, 30 centimetres high, quite sizable. So for me to remedy it by just simply pruning those bits out, I think that's what I'm ultimately going to have to do. But I just might do it gradually or hope because the ring barking and the the, the voles have been doing and you can see the little teeth marks when you get right. your eye in. Okay. It's all been done quite far in, at least a foot back. So then all the bits of the U that have sprouted out from that point that are filling that hedge gap mm. are dead, essentially, because yeah, the bark's yeah. been removed. So even if I then cut back, I've got to cut back quite far in, a good foot in, and it's so dark and dense inside the hedge, I don't think that bit of U is going to regenerate sufficiently to fill the gap. So, yeah, I've still got things to sort out, but my, my plan is to nibble away gradually at it. Okay. That's what I'm thinking I can do. So I don't want to make a hole, essentially. Yeah, I think I remember you saying that the owner wasn't very keen on boning the hedge, which meant taking everything yeah, back. Like we saw happen. at yeah. Bewley. Uh, they've been doing that at Bewley on yeah. their U hedges. It works a treat. 
Because I would say yes, because that's what I would probably recommend if you could, is take the whole thing back and hopefully get some regrowth and watch out for uh, vol damage after that. But that's yeah. really interesting. That's just, I've not ever seen that on a a U or a hedge in, in essence. Like I say, maybe I on a on woody plants, but not really mm. on a hedge like that. No, and it was so uncanny because every time I traced it back, I found the ring barking. It was I was it was just so brilliant because it was so obviously that was the problem. So mm. so there we go. So that yeah. was that. Can I can I tell you my third thing that I've had this week or my do you want to I, I don't want to dominate? No, it. no. Well, I, do you know I was just gonna say because you've had a vol problem. I've had mice in my greenhouse, and I have a problem that I know you can relate to. About uh, a week and a half ago, I sowed my cucurbits. A bit late, but still squashes, pumpkins. They'll grow quickly. Yeah, they will grow quickly at this time of year, which is great. But I thought, brilliant, they're all sown. Come in a week later after a weekend uh, at home and every single seed had been taken up, nibbled and left on the surface by a mouse. No. I know. Oh, the swines. Swines, that's exactly... Well, I used a, the more, <laughs> a more elegant word was used. But uh, yeah, it is a really... It is a quite a difficulty controlling rodents, actually. Um, mm. You know, I know that one of the, my gardeners is not very keen on mouse traps. Uh, some people are. Um, you can try and protect the pots. I've now got them actually on a shelf. Well, we do have, and I should have probably done this originally, we have a shelf up in the eaves of the greenhouse. Oh, hind- hindsight's useless. I do know well, what? Hindsight yeah, is useless. It is here, useless I've decided. in this case, yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, I've had a, a, that has set me, but well, to be honest, like you say, cucurbits, they'll be quite quick. I'm about to sow sweet corn as well. And I know that they like sweet corn. Yeah. So those will also go up in the, in the eaves. But uh, yeah, I've, uh, I've been uh, cursed by rodents as well. Can I just chip in? Because I don't know if you remember, we talked about this a little while ago. We when did, I got yeah. my seed potatoes yes, in the greenhouse. Yes. And do you remember, I put up a f- photograph of my remedy to thwart any potential damage by mice or voles or whatever it might be it split the nation there was 50 percent of people saying yes that's a great idea another 50 percent said it's never going to work well i can report back it worked 100 percent. so i'm not smug about it i just want to report back that you can (laughs) suspend from your greenhouse eaves in freezer crates which is what they were wire crates your seed potatoes and the mice the mice didn't get them they're all planted and safely in the ground though so Chopped I think up. it's a great idea. Like I say, I've just lifted mine up into the eaves onto a shelf and I think that will stop the... Yeah. The, well, I'll, I'll report back next week if the mice have got up there again. We're going to have to set up some kind of, I don't know, automatic machine gun homing <laughs> on them. But um, yeah, hopefully we'll get some some uh, nice cucurbits. Um, anyway, what's your third your third bit of good news? Well, I will, I will quickly dip in. It's, a, it's, um, it's an ongoing project, this, but we've come up with a solution, which is great because it was a problem and now we've solved it. So bluebells in April, they were looking fantastic. We've got a lovely bluebell wood at East Donnellan Hall, but we've also got an area which I would describe as a sensitive area. It's got a lot of personal sensitivity to it. We've got, we've got bluebells growing there. And uh, the owner said to me, um, she'd been to visit it and she said, Lucy, I'm not sure of the colouring of the bluebells could you have a look? And I said, oh, of course I will. And I went up and what's happened is in one part of this area, we've got the classic English bluebell, the Hyacinthoides non scripta. And then we have got an invader. We've got the Spanish invader. Oh, the no. Hyacinthoides hispanica. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So basically for, to get anyone up to speed who's not quite sure about what this is all meaning, our lovely English bluebell is uh, quintessentially a very 
pure, wonderful species. And it's got this lovely classic look to it with the bells curl over and they nod on one side. And it's a very delicate, lovely thing and, and a wonderful deep colour. And then you've got some um, bluebells that are cross-pollinating with it, hybridising with it and causing impurities to develop. And the, the Spanish bluebell is very easily cross-pollinated with the English bluebell. And you get in return, these, like I said, these hybrids that have got natural vigour um, and the Spanish bluebell is very vigorous. Anyhow, so the whole things uh, make the, the English bluebell population impure and the risk is that they actually can then over-dominate the English bluebells as well. And we lose that wonderful characteristic plant uh, that we're known so well for. Now, I was just quickly checking before we came on, because I remember this all flaring up back in, when I was at Wisley in the advisory department. Yeah. And it's it was 2003 when Plant Life put together this massive big campaign to encourage people to check their bluebell populations and see what the, what the potential risk was, you know, how many of these Spanish bluebells were populating areas and either out competing or hybridizing with the English bluebells. So, uh, yeah, all back all that time ago. And um, it's been a problem ever since, you know, they've not disappeared, they've not been eradicated. But this area, you know, my normal advice would be to dig the Spanish bluebells out. We can't dig this area up. It's just not possible mm. um, because of what I've sort of like alluded to before. So what we've decided is that we're going to take off the seed heads yeah, of no this Spanish bluebell before they desiccate and have a chance to release their seeds. So at least the population is not going to get any more. And then, uh, you know, all, that's what we can do. We've got English bluebells nearby. I might be able to collect some seeds from them and try to scatter them around the area to uh, tip the balance in the right direction and make sure things don't get dominated by the hybrids. So, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a quandary, but we've come up with a solution that I think in the situation that we're faced with, as in we can't dig stuff up, that I think is is a good solution. Do you know, one of the problems with the hybrid, especially, and I've, I have looked into this, is the variability. Because some of them can actually look quite non-scriptor, like, or, or you know, yeah. quite close. And then mm. on the other scale, some look uh, like uh, the Hispanica. And then yeah. there's a whole variation in the middle. So you get this weird muddle of, is that a is that Hispanica? You'll definitely know if you've got Hispanica. It's a big butch yeah uh, a hyacinth you know almost like um um like a uh, well like know, it's, proper, like a, it's like yeah, a hyacinth, proper hyacinth yeah like but a proper much hyacinth more open family. headed mm. and the, the flowers go all the way around the whole yeah. circumference of the stem don't they not, yeah. but classic english bluebirds very one-sided very and one-sided over. but you will get mm. these variables in between of things yeah. and you're like is that not just a big non-scripter or is that a mm. small hispanica so it is a problem um yeah, yeah that and, is the problem and one of the key facts, and I know I love bringing up this fact with people, is that about 90% of the world's hyacinth uh, non-scripta, hyacinthoides non-scriptas, are in the UK. Although we have it incredibly common in the UK, English bluebells, they're called English bluebells for a reason, the rest of the world, very few. Uh, most of the rest of the population is North France. Right. You go around the world, you won't find them. So it is quite, it is quite important to make sure that the genetic stock of, of our English bluebell is well protected mm. but uh yeah you're right it's going to be a lot more difficult with these um larger thuggier more vigorous hybrids and the original hispanica coming in as well yeah mm. yeah well so i've i've had I've, I've had i think a really interesting week at the hall mm. um sometimes you have weeks where nothing exciting happens and it's all there's no dramas you know there's no there's no punctures <laughs> There's no, there's no staffing issues. There's nothing going on. But this week, I've I've really 
felt like um, I've so enjoyed being the head gardener at the hall. I mean, I love it anyhow, but it's just solving problems and getting things figured out and moving forward is is really uh, a rewarding thing. You and I both have said in the past that if you get in a job and ultimately after a few years, if you feel like you're not moving forward with your learning, you're sort of stagnating your knowledge, that's sometimes a sign that you think, do you know what, I need to move on. I need to do something different. That has not been the case this week whatsoever. So, um, oh, and just one very quick thing to add, that the iris bed uh, with the wisterias and the laburnum at the hall is looking an utter treat. Ooh, check utter out Twitter. Treat. Check out well, Twitter soon. Oh, God, don't just yet. Give me a minute because I videoed it because it's so uh, fleeting, but I haven't edited the video yet. So okay. I will do when I get a fragment of time in my life when, when I can do it. When you're not figuring out you, you diseases and stuff. Um, anyway, we're coming to the end. Uh, mm. If you are at Chelsea on Monday, I don't know how many of our fellow gardeners or people listen to this podcast, but if you're on Monday, come and say hello to us. Uh, it'd be nice to see, yes, see you. It'd be nice to hear whether you enjoy the podcast or not. You know, we don't mind people who don't enjoy it getting in touch. Please do. It'd be great to hear from you, I think. I don't know. <laughs> Steady. Uh, no, exactly, of course. Exactly. We're very open-minded. We're very Just be, just be gentle. Yeah, but so next week we'll bring you a little review on Chelsea. But until then, enjoy your weekend gardening and uh, tune in next week. With today's podcast at an end, we hope we've given you a glimpse into our respective gardening lives. Spring is such an incredibly crucial time in the garden, so stick with us over the coming episodes as we guide you through the key tasks of the season. Whether it's propagating seeds, planting up borders, thwarting weeds or wielding those secateurs, we'll ensure your gardening season remains on track with our guidance and encouragement. And if you've enjoyed listening to us, we'd love you to leave a review via your preferred podcast provider or on one of our social media platforms. Interact with us via our Twitter accounts at Gardening Saul and at HeadGardenerLC. Lucy is also over on Instagram, again, HeadGardenerLC. If you feel so inclined, you can even support us at buymeacoffee.com slash talkingheads. Your support would mean so much to both of us. Spring offers some of the most exciting transformations. Within weeks, the muted landscape around us will become evergreener and more floriferous. We are in for an utter treat. So, until the next episode of Talking Heads... Goodbye! goodbye.